And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of World Hockey Report here on this Tuesday, May 24th. Yes, hello, everyone. How are we all doing today? Yes, it is me, the inside of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, back here on World Hockey Report. We got a lot to get to today, guys. In my return, I'm sorry, I was busy on an island in Africa. Yes, an island in Africa. That's where I was at, called Mauritius. It is a beautiful island. The wife and I went there for a little vacay, and it was very nice because I got to watch some hockey while I was while I was waking up in the morning. The, the earlier games were hard because it was 3 a.m. there when the 7 o'clock game started or 5 o'clock local time, mountain time, but it's all good. We'll talk about all those games and more here inside the Pro Rock Hockey Studios here on World Hockey Report. Be sure to follow us, guys, at World Hockey RPT. We got a lot to get to, like I said. We don't just have just all the games to talk about. We had a couple guests coming on today. Nathan Strauss from UMass will be jumping on here momentarily in about uh, a little over 15 minutes' time now, jumping on to talk to me about the Boston Bruins. Also, his take on the Carolina and New York Series game four tonight at MSG. Also later on, from Raw Charge from SB Nation, Matthew Estevez will join me to talk about what in the world happened between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. But like I said, we got a lot to get to today and a lot of guests. As you see in the little schedule we got to, little right down over there, you see it. And of course, as always, jump in the chat and let us know what you are thinking about everything that happened this past weekend. Do not worry, H4U, uh, whatever your name is exactly. Uh, yes, you are not the only one in the chat. You will not be the only one in the chat. So be sure, to, guys, to jump in that chat to join here to. Just kind of talk to see how we're all doing today. Obviously, we got a lot of fun here on today's program. But first, we got to talk about something awesome that happened this past weekend. Ice Wars happened. World Hockey Report was there, including none other than the usual Wednesday host, a guy that had to pull the load, the wagon last week, doing all three shows. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I guess I didn't say welcome to the show. He's the one that usually hosts this little shindig, Cody Jansen. Cody. How was Ice Wars on Saturday, man? It looked fun. The pay-per-view sold well. We saw the highlights, of course, on World Hockey Report's Twitter page as well. Seemed like a fun time. Man, it was crazy. And I appreciate you having me on here. I know people are probably sick of hearing my voice after last week. But no, hey, I told you. I told you, Janner. Janner, I told you. You you could have <laughs> you could have had me on. You could have had me as a guest. I would have been sipping coffee uh, or maybe a beer or two, depending on what time of the day you called me, but whatnot. If I was in Mauritius, I think my phone would have been in the ocean. So I credit you for doing work while you were on your vacation to begin with. But no, man, going back to Ice Wars, uh, again, I, I appreciate you having me on in the open platform here. Like, it was crazy. So I had been talking with AJ, and we connected over Twitter a while ago, but they absolutely hooked it up. I mean, AJ Lindsay is assistant ice wars, the whole team. They treated us so well at the river Cree resort and casino. It was an awesome event. It was one of those events where the week leading up, everyone was kind of like, Oh, how's this going to turn out? Like there's a lot of tickets left for sale. Is pay-per-view is really going to sell? Like how are the fighters going to be? Is it going to be entertaining? And like, it was absolutely incredible again i've never been to like a huge ufc or boxing match at msg so like i can't compare it to that but for like prize fighting what they did was absolutely insane it was all entertainment people were loving it tickets were flying like so many walk-ups it, it was nuts i, I know pay-per-view went over well like chris terry and phil jubileo like 
they are awesome announcers. Sean McMorrill was the ringside guy. Like the whole team really put it together and they knocked it out of the park. So for an inaugural event, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Because if you're an old school hockey fan who knows a lot of these names and has watched them on hockeyfights.com, YouTube, all that stuff, like this is so right up your alley. Like that's the crazy thing too, because like it's it's a little bit interesting because I remember they tried it like years ago, right? And you didn't quite know how it was gonna work, but like it's it's crazy because I look at this with with AJ and whatnot, and of course the Danbury Trashers and all the the popularity that's come with this Janner, like with when the documentary came out, it almost seems like this kind of you know sort of like it kind of helped with the reputation, but it, like I said, it seemed like it was a fun time for everyone involved. Well, and I think they get the reputation of just like, oh, the goons, right? The goons, everyone, all they're out there for is just step on the ice and fight. But like, I got to meet all the fighters. Like, I, I got to meet their family, friends, other fighters. There was any chellers like watching the event. Like, they were so pumped to be there. There was some legends. Like, and you meet them and you talk with them and you actually have the conversation and like, they're humans. They're good people. They did a job. They got paid to do a job. That's why they were on the fourth line. They sat on the bench for 59 minutes. And when they had to, well, they did their role on the ice. That's what they're getting paid to do. And, you know, like it's, they get a bad rap, but also like it's something they enjoy to do. Like it was all respect out there. Like there was no cheap shots. There was no, you know, there, there was no ruthless chirping or anything. They were out there to do a job. It was prize fighting. It was business. There was a huge purse on the line for the champion. And again, it, it kind of wasn't that guy you would think would, well, maybe it wasn't me. I wasn't the one predicting Daniel Amesbury diamond hands to win it because he's taken on a six foot six, 300 pounder. And he knocks him to the ground like three times. You know, he's fighting guys out there who are 6'4", 330. And then this guy's six feet tall and, you know, maybe 240, maybe 220. Like, it was just pure entertainment. I, I don't even know how to really explain it. Like, you got to watch the video. You got to watch the pay-per-view. Because I think this event is going to take off. And, and even if you aren't a fan of that, like, my fiance was there. I had friends, other people there who, you know, they like the skilled aspect of hockey. They're not really looking for blood and that like, it wasn't like it was super gory at all. Like there wasn't like blood all over the place or broken bones. Like it, it was just prize fighting. I, I don't know. It, it was entertainment. They put on a great show, lights music, spectacle. Everything was set up well. Everything was run well. So again, I can't thank AJ enough for hooking it up and letting us be a part of it because yeah, it's going to be a great partnership for world hockey report and ice wars in the future. Cause I I'm telling you, this thing is going to take off. Well, like you said, Janner, you guys, I know you told me earlier, you're going to talk about it on tomorrow's show on the Wednesday edition of world hockey report. So be sure to join him tomorrow guys. When he hosts the Wednesday shindig Janner, thank you very much, man. We will definitely keep in touch. And like you said, a cool little partnership here between ice wars and world hockey report guys, you know, follow him at Janner PXP. That's where he is all the time. And of course at world hockey RPT, because well, that's where, you know, where we are. Cause that's where we are here on the Twitters and 12 ounce sports and hockey podcast network. Janner, we'll definitely talk to you soon, man. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Of course. Appreciate you, buddy. Pat Maroon for hall of fame, Pat Maroon for hall of fame, going for four cups in a row. We'll get to that series a little bit later on. We talk with Matthew SVS from raw charge of SB nation. Like I said, a little over 10 minutes time. We have Nathan Strauss from UMass. He's one of my broadcasting colleagues up there. One of the top young broadcasters in the country and I'm not just saying that because I've had him on previous shows of mine, but he's also a real fun guy as well. The chat room getting pretty filled up here. 
City Life Project says Ice Wars won Unreal. Uh, that's my take. Cody stole my take. I don't think anyone who watched Ice Wars was stealing anyone's takes. Everyone thought it was a fun show and an exciting show as well. I unfortunately was in a very weird time zone, so I really couldn't get that. Like it was like four o'clock in the morning when I was when it was on, so it was like hard for me to get up and watch it and get crazy. But like from what I saw, from the highlights I saw and all the clips, they were it was a hoot, a little hoot nanny to be a part of there as well. So. Let us, but let us get to the 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 big thing that happened today. So for anyone that follows me on Twitter, I've been commenting a lot about this, retweeting it, and as well as our good folks here on World Hockey Report, the NHLPA put out a statement just actually just recently, very recently. I'm going to read it here because I should have pulled it up before, but unfortunately, a lot of other stuff going on here at the same time. 36 minutes ago, they put this tweet out. The comments recently directed at Nazem Kadri online have no place in our society. Notwithstanding fans' rooting interest during the highly competitive playoffs, such racist, hate-filled speech directed at anyone is completely unacceptable. Nazem and his family should never be subjected to the comments that they have endured this week. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because the Nazem Kadri game that happened last night, and that's what we're going to call it. We're calling that the Nazem Kadri game. Four points for Nazem, three goals and an assist. First Av in, was it, 24 years to have a playoff hat trick, also the first of his career. Let's let's bring it back here. For those that do not know this story that we're going to get into. Cody Jansen, the Cody Jansen. Now I look down at the comments. The City of the Life Project says, but oh, Cody says it's now it's gospel. That is right, City of the Life Project. What Cody says is gospel. But Cody and I were talking about this earlier. Nazem Kadri in game two, no, game three of the series, gets knocked into Jordan Bennington. And yes, I said that right. Nazem Kadri was driving towards the net, gets knocked into Jordan Bennington. Bennington's season is over, pretty much. It's He's out for the rest of this series, and with the Avs now being up 3-1, it's looking less and less likely that we're going to see him in the future, Jordan Bennington. And of course, there's whole bottle gate where Jordan Bennington allegedly threw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri. Obviously, that's not been confirmed. Speculated, but not confirmed. Here, my thing about this is I am not uh, looking at the play itself. I, I hate how people think Nazem Kadri. Yes, I know Nazem Kadri has the reputation. He has the reputation of, you know, being knocked out of the like kicked out of the playoffs in three of the last four years. The reason why he got shipped out of Toronto because of 2018 and 2019 and then there was last year against Justin Falk. All of that. Like, everything is crazy because I just, I hate the fact that that will always carry with him because he's such a great player. Big guy. Awesome guy. But what he's done in the playoffs has kind of, get, the red mist, as we call it, of what he gets is bad for him. So, when he hits Jordan Bennington, well, first thing I see is you see him driving the net, you see him hit Bennington, you think, oh gosh, this is horrible. Because you thought he did it. But then you watch the replay back over and over and over again. At first, you see Callie Rosen. You see Callie Rosen right on top of him. You see Kadri. He might have glanced Bennington. He might have nudged him. He was not going to drive him into the net like the result that we saw. Callie Rosen clearly runs into Nazem Kadri. Okay? The rest of the game goes on. Billy Husso comes in, and yes, Colorado ends up running away with the game. Nazem Kadri doesn't score, but obviously, yes, Jordan Bennington season's over. 
Uh, Matthew says, never thought Nazem Kadri would be the one to make a wild fan want the Avs to win. Thank you very much, Matthew. That's kind of, that is kind of funny given how Colorado and Minnesota's rivalry, a playoff rivalry, at least their history has gone over the years. Minnesota with a couple of instances with that as well. But regardless, my point is that I, <laughs> the, when, when it was first announced, when we, the water bottle gate was kind of funny. That was, you know, a good chuckle about that because you could literally hear it on the interview with TNT that Naz was doing. But then the comments came out and Naz's wife from Instagram put them, made them public. The word disgusting cannot describe, it's not enough. Like, heinous, stupid, pathetic, gutless are other words I can use for these people that have attacked Nazem Kadri and his family, like, I, I I don't understand what goes through someone's head to think that's okay. Yes, I get it. It's the but it's the play. People are spirited. It's the playoffs. They lost their starting goaltender. Where in the world does race come into that? Where does that become acceptable to yell at someone because of who they are and where they come from? Because of listen, whether or not he ran him over or not, you know, like I, I get it, but like you don't need to go to that extent. You call him a dirty player. I've said a lot of things about Tom Wilson over my lifetime and my media history. But that doesn't mean I'm going to say because of where he's from or, or, you know, the fact that he's Caucasian or anything like that's going to come up. I'm just going to say he's a dirty player because he there's a laundry list. And also the fact that literally, yes, you once again, go back to the footage. Uh, it's your own guy's fault that Jordan Bennington's hurt. But the fact that people still in society think this is okay. The fact that there's people that will, these keyboard warriors that will literally go on their phones or on their computers and say, you know what, I'm going to say this, and there's going to be a lot of unnecessary words, inappropriate comments about religion, calling him the F word, and the F word, not that kind of, yes, the F word in terms of the LGBTQ community, that awful slang, that name calling. Someone thinks that that's okay. It's 2022. Like, there is, it's unnecessary that we should be saying this sort of thing. And people are out there. And listen, I understand blues fans. There's not every single blues fan thinks like those people, okay? The same way that not every Boston Bruins fan were the people that were commenting and saying awful remarks towards P.K. Subban. I understand that. But the problem is, is the fact that there are people in this world that think it's okay to, to just go off and attack someone on social media. That's my problem with this. My problem is that they think it's okay. And yes, David Perron went after him three times, it seemed like, last night. Ended up getting $5,000 fine. And the way Naz handled himself is absolutely incredible because that guy, is a he's a gem. He's one of my favorites. I just, I really, really hope that people find, because I hope some the people that, comments and they made them public so people can get flagged banned i hope some legal action could be taken some criminal action be taken on this because this is ridiculous people in the uk i know i rick west had tweeted this out saying that at least one person was given six weeks in jail for the comments made at marcus rashford after the uh, euros last year the uefa euros like that's what needs to happen here this is ridiculous there should not be this in the game anymore all right we're gonna take a break here before i yell and scream and punch someone in the face uh, I'm gonna, we're going to bring on Nathan Strauss here. We're going to get his thoughts on this too, because he's very outspoken in matters like this, sort of like I am too. So we're going to get his take here. When we come back here on World Hockey Report, Nathan Strauss from UMass talking Boston Bruins, Nazem Kadri, and a little bit more. When we come back, right after this. 
Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy. And welcome back here on World Hockey Report. I am joined here on this lovely day. This lovely, nice, calm. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful day here in West Michigan. It might be even better where he is at. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It is none other than Nathan Strauss. Nathan, how are you doing today, sir? day it's like 65 degrees and sunny it was 100 this weekend in boston but it's beautiful it's like 65 degrees i went for a little hike this morning up in the blue hills got to look out over the boston skyline it's a lot better than 100 degrees but significantly less good presumably than mauritius but you know you can only do so much i will say this the weather in mauritius nathan it it was so nice because like it's their fall but it's obviously sunny and nice. It was like 75 degrees on average there, but like sun all the time, but 75 degrees, like 
it was a nice calming weather for like going in like below the equator. I was like ready for like 95 and death, but it was actually not that bad at all. Not ideal hockey weather, but, uh, but, but great, you know, existing weather. No. Yeah. It, it was very nice. Be sure to jump on the chat here, guys, here on world hockey report at world hockey RPT, because we're going to talk about the Stanley cup playoffs here with Nathan. I got to remind you that Stanley cup playoffs means the world hockey report. The WHR OT challenge is back. That's right. Presented by player this year. So whenever a playoff game goes to overtime, you have to hop on Twitter and pick your goal scorers using the hashtag WHR OT challenge to be entered to win an awesome world hockey report prize pack from player hammer down on hashtag WHR OT challenge to win. Nathan, you know, it's fine, Nathan, for all the exciting playoff games we had, we haven't had too many crazy overtime challenges so far here at world hockey report for better or worse. Cause we got this awesome thing with player here, but I can't say though that the playoffs have not been exciting. What is your take? It, it's certainly been exciting, and it's weird. I feel like we got our sort of traditional playoff crazy overtime moment all the way back in round one with Penguins Rangers, right? In that triple OT was it triple OT game with where Louis Domingue came in, uh, the spicy you know, pork after... and broccoli game. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So since then, I feel like all of the overtimes have been decided not just in the first overtime, but in like the first eight minutes of overtime. Uh, and I wonder if part of that is because of the no commercial breaks, you know, they just, they scrape the ice at the 10 minute mark, but right. I think it makes players more tired and you're obviously, you're already over 60 minutes in, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly been exciting even, you know, with a dearth of, of, of sudden death games. Right. No. Yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. City life project. Go, <laughs> I got to look at the chat here, Nathan. They, uh, people are giving me flack here on the, in the chat room here on YouTube, here on hockey podcast network and 12 ounce sports for the denying entry. Cause I actually had to deny you entry once. <laughs> Uh, before we went to commercial break, because I forgot to tell him. Uh, the lovely world of uh, Google Meet, guys. Uh, also, jump in the chat. Uh, Rainiel Soto, nice to see you. Beer, sports, whatever podcast says, hi, I sub. Thank you for subbing. Uh, City Live Project says, hi, Soto. City Live Project said it's like 40 degrees on Vancouver Island. I think he means 40 degrees Fahrenheit, which I. Because 40 degrees, 40 degrees Celsius would be like 110. Oh, I would, I'd be dying. Fahrenheit I'd, be like like, I'd be jumping in Pacific Ocean. I don't think, I don't think Vancouver, I, I don't think North Van and vancouver island ever get that hot really no, like it's it's literally northern seattle right like it's it's super nice but at the same time it can just rain for three days yeah well, and it's on the water all the time too yeah. so it, that that instantly makes it cooler it was like 98 degrees fahrenheit in my little suburb of boston and it was like 84 degrees in boston itself because you have the uh the ocean wind so hopefully um you know if you're watching from vancouver island, if you're watching from vancouver island get an iced cap for me because we don't have Tim Hortons in Boston. And I went to Toronto a few weeks ago and I had like eight ice caps in the span of four days. And now I'm really missing them. So it'd be, you know, do it for me. All right. I, I forgot. I did. I, you know, Nathan, I did jump the gun here on my intro with you. Obviously I mentioned you were a broadcaster for UMass. I also forgot to mention the best for best hockey play-by-play for the interscholastic broadcasting system. First of all, congratulations on that. For the Thank you. Award, Cause you do a lot of great stuff there for the minute men and minute women broadcasting for, UMass women's basketball team. Um, so I got to ask you, you're an, you're obviously a Nor'easter, a New Englander, and this is a war that I've had with people for years. And I will ever since on Plainfield Avenue in Grand Rapids, we had a Tim Hortons and a Dunkin' Donuts. The Dunkin' Donuts lost. It was a celebratory day in the Kuehl household. How does Nathan Strauss, who lives in UMass and is in the Boston area, think about Dunkin' Donuts? 
oh, it's so tough, right? Because I feel like I'm going to betray. I feel like someone, I'm going to like say this, and then all of a sudden, like a, a giant munchkin is going to come outside and like shoot. Marissa and Gam- yeah, Marissa uh, and Gammy's going to come find you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, so the problem with Dunkin' Donuts is less the quality and more the consistency. So there's like a running joke in New England because every town has like five Dunkin' Donuts, and you have to know which Dunkin' Donuts is like the good Dunkin' Donuts. Uh-huh. Uh, so when you get a good Dunkin' Donuts cup of coffee, and the you know a vanilla frosted donut you're like wow this is great dunkin donuts coffee but if you go to one of the other you know the four not good or the inconsistent ones you end up with either something that you didn't order or it just comes in wildly inconsistently so i don't go to dunkin donuts all that often um i do tend to go more uh for the starbucks or the tim hortons um but it's certainly fun as far as uh like regional pride, I guess they sponsor a lot of things. You know, they're they're prominent advertisers. They do a lot of the community. So, I, I'm ambivalent to them, but you you know you can't you can't miss them. Just like Tim Hortons in many swaths of Canada, you drive four blocks, you're gonna find a Dunkin' Donuts. Right. I don't know why my camera just flipped on me, but apparently it did. So, oh, there we go. Now it works. Jeez. I, I, I'm yeah, this ang- this angle's go- better. It really uh, really flatters your jawline. Week, yeah, my camera just doesn't want to look at me anymore. But no, let's, uh, I, I, listen, I, here's my, I have this, that is the same thing though with in Toronto with Tim Hortons though. If you go on Young Street in downtown Toronto, there will be instances where you can go to the wrong Tim Hortons. Um, I find that with more or less the, the standalone one or this, like you don't even get to sit down the ones you walk in and walk out. Like, I feel like those ones kind of have a little bit less quality. So maybe that's just me, but, um, yeah, no, I totally get that for sure. As we talk about coffee here on this hockey show, I promise you here on World Hockey Report, talking about, hey, you know what? It, if you're in Dunkin' Donuts or if it's Tim Hortons, you're obviously talking about hockey because in the States, they all they ever broadcast is Dunkin' Donuts commercials. And then you go to the Canada and it's all Tim Hortons. So, hey, look at that. We're staying involved here. But let's let's start off here with uh, something I was talking about right before the break, Nathan. This is why I had to cut you off or as City Life Project says, denied entry. Um, I gotta, I gotta ask you about Nazem Kadri, because you are one of the more outspoken folks when it comes to these sorts of issues, as myself on on social medias, and I, and that's why I love following you because you, you kind of, you're willing to, as the hashtag is hashtag get uncomfortable these sort of things. What is your take with Nazem Kadri? Not just the performance last night and how he handled himself, but what, what are your thoughts? Like, why are people still doing this to people in 2022? When we are the quote most woke, I hate that term, but like that, like it's true. Like we see it all the time now. Why are people still like this towards other people? So I think a lot of my take on this is influenced by a great book, Game Misconduct, by uh, Jasvina Shaw and Evan F. Moore. It came out last year, and it sort of talks about the culture of hockey and how that sort of dictates and how how sort of it interla- or intersects with like ideas about whiteness and prejudice and all of that, but. One thing that I thought was super indicative was, I don't know if you saw Tim Peel, the ex-referee's tweet oh, this gosh. morning. So I thought it was really interesting how he said, um, you know, Kadri bringing up Baruby's comments in the post-game press conference was like out of line. Because in any other sport, it's totally fair game. You know, think about how much, um, not even trash talking, but how much acknowledgement of like what other coaches and other players and other fans say happens in the nba or even in mlb and or especially in the nfl you know players are able to actually interpret and hear and acknowledge what coaches and sort of external forces are saying 
But so much of hockey culture is about we're going to focus on our game. We're going to focus on our guys. It's more insular. So I think that um, if we abstract the issue a little bit from the actions themselves and we look at why hockey is so, I guess, hesitant and averse to change a lot of the time, it's because it's hard to find, you know, in a league coached by generally people who look the same and have had the same sort of hockey experience from mites to bantams to juniors to the pros or even college or, you know, the Q or major junior, whatever it may be, it forms you to think a certain way and act a certain way. And so when you're outspoken, like Nazim Kadri, um, or Josh Hosang, for example, it's not a coincidence that the people who end up speaking up are the ones who would feel the most ostracized by this sort of insular, just turn a turn a blind eye type thing. So I was super proud of, of, of Nas for doing that. I thought Jared Bednar's comments were pretty good uh, as well, uh, even though I think you know he he did say like, look, just because Baruby said no comment doesn't mean that he doesn't empathize with it. I still think it's really easy if you're a head coach to just say like, hey, like you're not a fan of the Blues if you're, you know, sending racist attacks to another player. Um, but all in all, I think a lot of a lot of these issues stem from uh, uh, the difficulty of breaking free from hockey's sort of general rhythm, which is definitely like far, far more rigid than any other sport. Yeah. And and I myself, like I saw it growing up, too, like I, I had two teammates of color my entire life, you know, and I played from six years old till 22. So I like it was I it was different. But like now that it's almost like now that I've stepped outside the game, I see more of the, the problems with it. And I've talked about the problems and it's not just with racism. There's there is a laundry list of issues with toxic hockey culture. Like there is. Unfortunately, we do have to cut off at some point today with our show, Nathan. We could probably do it for four or five hours. Let's be honest. But but for, I mean, it was a big game for Naz, and of course, the way he bounced back and the way he just handled himself was a great thing. Um, but let's let's um, let's try to do the hockey thing here and move on from it and try to avoid it from happening anymore. I it, but like it is tough. But let let's talk about the Bruins here, Nathan, because actually, it's a great segue because because you mentioned how John, Jared Bednar saying that Blues fans aren't the ones that are doing this. It's you know I mentioned it too before the break. The boss, like how PK Subban even came out and said back in remember 2014, the 2014 series between the Habs and Bruins, saying when the Bruins fans went after PK Subban, like that's not all of Boston fans. And, and you know that too. I mean, shoot, you're a fan of the Bruins and the Red Sox. And, you know, if someone from your team fan base, I mean, Leafs fans do it. Like there's there's not a fan base that's clean from this sort of thing. Like I, I, I love to hear someone say, oh, my team doesn't say that. or My fans wouldn't say that. Probably do, buddy. You just don't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'll be pretty frank. The first time I ever heard a slur like in public was at a Celtics game from um, you know members of the Boston community. So I think it's more important that you know the majority of fans call out the ones who do say these kinds of things and make them feel ostracized in return, which I think has been a fairly. I mean, it's not it's not a good response as in it two wrongs don't make her right. But I do think it's, you know, when you it, like the people who were sending messages to, to Kadri, for example, if they lose their job for it, I mean, you kind of reap what you sow. So I think that, you know, you, everyone, regardless of what fan base you belong to has a responsibility to call out the people who, um, you know, are, you know, being racist or bigoted, but yeah, obviously like it was not a, a not a proud moment 
um, you know, when PK Subban was talking about what happened with Boston fans and him, or when uh, Andrew Jones of the Orioles had that happen, I believe back in like 2016 or 17 as well. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, too. at a Red at a Red Sox game, um, and so you know, it's an issue that happens all over the country, but Boston does have a reputation, um, and and frankly, with good reason. Yeah, and that's... but it was interesting going up against someone like Tony D'Angelo um, in this past series because. It was a little bit of a pot kettle moment, I think, for some people on social media. And it's interesting. Uh, it was just interesting seeing that dynamic play out. Yeah, and that's a good way to turn over things over to the current Bruins team because I, it was so strange. I tweeted this out, and I'm like, how in the world? like that? How polarizing can you be where I kind of agree with what Jack Edwards and Brad Marchand are saying to a hockey player? Like, when when Tony, my buddy, my brother, who is, of course, he cheers for the Canes, like that's his dark horse team they likes to cheer for. That's not, you know, the Leafs or whatever. And he's like, when I when we when he signed Tony D'Angelo, I remember I was doing a podcast at the time and I asked him, like, what do you think about this? And he's like, I is he was like he was dumbfounded. Like, why? And like I that it's the most and we go back to the hockey culture sort of thing. It's the most toxic hockey culture thing ever. We know who Tony D'Angelo is. We know what he said. We know what he believes. But we're going to sign him anyways because he was getting Norris votes in 2020. Like, and and we see it. Yes, he's a big point getter guy. He's doing a lot of great things with the Carolina Hurricanes. And we'll get to that series here with the Rangers here in just a moment with Nathan Strauss from UMass talking about the Bruins right now. But the fact that the Boston Bruins were able to kind of get to Tony D'Angelo and really expose the kind of guy that he was when he was tossed out the door with the Rangers, like it shows that the Bruins kind of have that little bit of mantra of saying like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes we are kind of that way, but listen, this guy's a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it goes back. I mean, obviously there's the big bad Bruins, um, you know, that's the sort of, that's, I guess the, the, that's the, the sort of broad street bullies type yeah. mantra that the, that the Bruins Bruins, the Bruins fan base wants the team to play a certain way. And guys like Brad Marchand, when they aren't, you know, cross-checking Tristan Jari and getting suspended for six games, they do have a knack. I mean, like Brad Marchand has a knack for really getting under people's skin. Um, and I'm sure we all saw the clip of him chirping D'Angelo in, I think game three or four of that series um, you know, saying, you know, he's racist, he's racist, and then turning to the refs going, he is, though, um, which was which was pretty great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly interesting to see that, yeah, you're right, Tony D'Angelo is pretty much the same guy, and he was this way when he was playing for the Sting and Sarnia in the OHL, because um, obviously he got suspended there. Uh, and then last night, uh, you might have been mid-travel, or uh, last night, two nights ago, uh, he had a little bust up with Gerard Gallant, yeah. which led to Gallant saying, you know, shut the F up. So it's clear that he's the same guy and, you know, he'll put up 70 points or 60 points, however many points he put up, but he's such a liability. And obviously his one year deal expires at the end of this year. He's probably played himself, unfortunately, into a bigger contract, but who is going to take that risk is the question. And unfortunately, I think the answer is about half the league would be willing to. Well, we're, we're going to see what the bidding's like for him, but let, let's get into this series. We'll, we'll touch back on the Bruins here and their future here in just a minute here with Nathan Strauss. Uh, this this series between the Rangers and Canes, it was going to be interesting because what we've seen from Carolina is they're a great team at home. PNC Arena, it's rocking, it's loud. They do the Viking clap, the storm surge, whatever. And they just, and seemingly, despite having to play both their second and third goaltenders, have found ways to win. But the other thing, the the X factor going into the series was 31 in the other end wearing a blue shirt. 
Igor Shosturkin, Nathan, might be the Vesna winner because of the fact that how he's been literally able to drag the Rangers through the regular season to a second-place finish, and now within a couple games of the conference finals. Like, this this matchup between Carolina with New York was going to be great, but it's almost like it was two vastly different teams if you looked solely at the goaltending. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you look at not just the goaltending too, but other aspects of their game. If you look at how the Rangers actually played this year, they were basically a below average team on the offensive and defensive end that got top two goaltending in the league. So when you looked at where their expected goals and their Corsi ranked, um, you know, basically they don't get a lot of shots off and they give up a ton of shots. And this series going up against a Canes team that generally, you know, will outshoot you three out of every four nights. It didn't seem like an ideal matchup, especially after Shesterkin was, I would say, bad against the Penguins. Like, it wasn't necessarily all his fault against the Penguins, but he definitely didn't show signs of being a Vesna winner. It helped that he was going against Louis Deming in a seven-game series. Right. Um, and, you know, I think the Rangers have a great top six. They've got a good top four. But the third, their third D pairing is just a huge liability. Whether it's Nemeth, whether it's um, you know, whether it's uh, Libor Hayek, uh, whether they bring in someone like Zach Jones, who I think has potential to be good, obviously fellow UMass guy, uh, and their bottom six is good when they're firing. But you know, you're looking at Ryan Reeves and you're saying, okay, well, realistically, how much ice time can I give him? You know, how much in time a playoff game? Is, like, yeah, yeah, you know, game seventy six against, yeah. Yeah, right point. So yeah, I mean, Shesterkin has done better. I do think it's interesting that the Canes, you know, are are now zero and five away from from Raleigh. Um, obviously, tonight is a huge game because, look, you only need to steal one game, right? If you're the Canes, and frankly, if the Rangers go back down, um, you know, to PNC and they think they only need to steal one game, well, I would like the Rangers' chances of stealing a game more than the Canes just based on goaltending alone. Yeah. Well, you look at Shesterkin in game three, like that was the Shesterkin we saw for the like during the regular. Well, I wouldn't say the during the like, he had a little bit of a drop off towards the second half. But early on, when everyone's like heart trophy for Shesterkin, like he makes 43 saves on Sunday night. And I knew we know he's that good, but he was just went out and show him like, say, I'm still this good, guys, even though there's a guy down in Tampa that's just all of a sudden back to world beating status. But we'll get to him later with Matthew Estevez from Raw Charge on SB Nation chatting here with Nathan Strauss. I, the thing with Carolina is this, and you know, it's funny. I finished, I'm on vacation while I had my time while, and while I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning watching hockey, because unfortunately my body did that to me. It was very weird, Nathan. I turned into my mother, how I woke up at like <laughs> the crack of dawn, not even, but I was reading, I finished up Kent Dryden's book, The Game, a book that was published in 1983. It was talking about his last season and what he went through and his thoughts on culture then, you know, 40 years ago. He talked about how the the dump the dump and change or the dump and chase is the worst thing. It's gonna tear it's gonna tear hockey apart. It's gonna ruin the game, ruin how the styles played. And he said that 40 years ago. Here we are in 2022, and the Carolina Hurricanes are the best dump and chase team in the NHL, but yet they still get the almost they get the most shots, they get the most chances. Like analytically, this team is an absolute just who knows what this team like. I don't understand the analytics with them because it's like dump and chase. It's a, you don't get possession, but they're the best at getting the puck back. Yeah. And I mean, they're just, their team is so well constructed and, and 
credit them for drafting really, really well. Oh, yeah. Because they've got a number of young players who are still either on their first contract or on their bridge deals. They've got a really deep team. They made good, like D'Angelo stuff aside, they made good deals to bring in guys like, like Ethan Bear. Uh, you know, they've made good trades for bottom six veteran forwards. And they did the right thing. It's the same thing that Tampa does. Uh, and it's the same thing that Colorado does. And I would say those three teams are right now probably the best managed teams in the league in terms of cap space and execution where they've got a bunch of bottom six grinders like Steven Lorenz who they can plug in at any given time who know how to play the system, but then they'll play their top six and their top two D pairs. Um, you know, I think their top D pair was getting like 28 minutes of ice time a game against the Bruins. Yeah. Um, their top six is full of young, talented guys. They've even, I mean, they, they, they're they so well-managed that they're basically able to banter up a contract for Kasperi Kotkaniemi just for fun, um, you know, just to, to mess with the Habs. So they're and so well-constructed. It's only kind of work, too. They also brought out... Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and so and, and so they just they get guys who play the way that Brendan Moore wants them to play. And he has them firing, and it's sort of going to be up to them to actually execute because clearly their talent is on par with with Colorado and Tampa. And those are the three teams that I would say are favorites right now. Um, you know, looking at the eight teams that are remaining. So do you, so do you think Carolina is the one that gets out of this series? Then you don't think Shesterkin can bail out the Rangers enough to at least get them to the conference finals and go full like 2012 Henrik Lundqvist. So that's the thing, right? Shesterkin is still young for a goalie. He's only 25, I think, right. Or 24, 25. He, he seems like he came into the league yesterday. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the thing about the thing about goaltending is that like over the course of an 82 game season, Shesterkin will be the best goalie in the league, but it's up to him to be the best goalie for however long the series goes. And while those sort of bad games can be covered up, looking at the numbers over like the course of an entire year, it's a lot harder to hide when going down three one and then having to win three games, two of which would be you know in Carolina. That's basically impossible. Yeah. So he has to be outstanding every single night to give the Rangers a chance. So I think Carolina gets through. I'd love to see Carolina face the lightning. And I'm sure you'll talk about that um, with your, with your next guest. But uh, I don't think anyone wants to play Tampa Bay right now because they actually are doing the opposite of what the Rangers did, where the Rangers used the law of large numbers to say like, look over the entire season, we were just about good enough um, to make it, you know, get home ice for the first round. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But the lightning, meanwhile, we're like, we're just going to get in and then get back up to our top level, right. You know, at the start of the playoffs. So um, two very different teams going in different directions, I think. Oh, could you imagine if like Tampa actually fell into that wild card spot and got rid of Carolina in round one? Like, honestly, like that would have been a fresh Tampa team. I know how people are like, Oh, but Vasilevsky wasn't great in round one. I'm like, well, yeah, because they probably thought, they were going to have an easy time against the Toronto that, that the, unfortunately the Toronto Maple failures of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they thought of an easy time there, but like, Oh yeah. A very interesting first round series, having the defending cup champs and who are look like the defending cup champs all of a sudden going up against Carolina. We probably won't be talking about Tony D'Angelo anymore, Nathan. Yeah. I mean, and how bad must Leafs fans feel right now too, seeing the way Tampa just dismantled Florida. I mean, no one having a great time, Nathan. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I mean, no one could really predict Florida scoring three goals in a four game series, you know, based on how prolific they were this year. Still don't totally get the scratching of Anthony Duclair. Um, I, I, I don't think 
they really, I mean, all of the off ice stuff aside, I don't think that that's like, the, I don't the think that's like and Radulov, uh, part due coming out of, out of South sunrise or Tampa. Florida. Yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure Leaf fans were feeling like, Oh, we were right there. Um, and that's super unfortunate. I do think eventually there should come a time when the NHL gets rid of the wild card system and just does two conferences seating, you know, one through 16. And, and then you just have one through eight, uh, you know, get rid of the divisions because they don't really add all that much. And right. I'd much rather see a, a scenario where maybe you don't play every single team in the league each year, but you get three or four games of Bruins Habs or Leafs Habs, whatever the case may be. My, my thing, it's funny you bring that up because I've had this thought for years be like you and i'm sorry the atlanta i get it like the majority of the teams for the last couple of years in the east like there was always like six metro teams or whatever it was it was or not six five there'd be five metro teams and then three would come from the atlantic but here's the problem the three atlantic teams were the best teams in the eastern conference like that was always the problem so i like if you did the the you know give the t- the two division winners one two and then go from there i i do because th- that's a thing and that's why I understand why you say that, Nathan, but then the NHL is going to look at this year and say, look, we got the Battle of Alberta. We got the Battle of Florida. We got all these divisional rivalries. See, we are right. And unfortunately, it's going to carry with them for the next decade because they're going to say this is why we do it. But yes, to your point, you know, you lose the number two team in the Eastern Conference, or the number three team, excuse me, in the Eastern Conference in Toronto in the first round. You lose the President's Trophy winners because they played the fourth or fifth best team in the East. I forgot where Tampa exactly was, but long story short, you lose two of the best teams because they played in the, an almost equally as good team that was in the top half of the eight teams. It's, it's a wonky system, but at the same time, like, Hey, it makes exciting first two rounds. The conference finals might be boring, but Hey, those first four, those first three weeks of the playoffs, Nathan, they were exciting, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, clearly, right now, the team that has the easiest path to the Stanley Cup Finals is Colorado. Um, you know, they're three-one up on St. Louis. They have all of the momentum, not just in terms of what's on the ice, but they have all of the momentum off the ice. I would put my life savings on them winning Game Five tomorrow night at uh, eight p.m. That game, I think, is a TNT game, but. You really think they're going to go out to Ball Arena and, and lose after the after the game they had the other day? And, and then and they're, all gonna they're going get, to get—they're just going to get the whoever survives the Battle of Alberta. Well, like, right, and the Battle on. of Alberta right now at two-one. I think Calgary comes back tonight and wins that game. That series is going to go six games or seven games. It's going to so go Colorado's nine. Going to have, they're going to the, the, yeah, the province gonna, of Alberta is going to pass a law to extend that series. <laughs> right. Money so those province. two teams, those two teams are going to still be super banged up. You've got Drysaddle playing on one ankle. You've got no Tanev for Calgary. Uh, you've got more and more guys going down with yeah Lucic not well, being able to skate and run into Mike Smith. Well, yeah, but I'm not sure how much of that was an injury and how much of that was just his skating form, which hasn't changed since 2011. But I'm glad you acknowledge that too. A former Bo- a former Boston Bruin, Milan Lucic. I see that and I'm like everyone's like, oh, he didn't actually charge him. He tried to stop. No, uh, he's an just a player I should mean, be able to stop. Right? He's never been. To be fair, like Lucic totally knew what he was doing. I don't think that he should have been suspended like some Flames fans were, or like some uh, oh, like yeah. some Edmonton. I don't fans think he saying. should have been suspended either, but because it wasn't like like he made like a little contact. He didn't cross check Smith in the back, which he could have done. Um, yeah. It would have been far funnier. Uh, but yeah, also speaking of goalies, who saw Mike Smith saving the second most goals above expected so far this playoffs? 
Jake Ottinger still has the most, but Mike Smith has been the second best goalie in the entire league. So Ken Holland, that's uh, who. (laughs) Yeah, right. Ken Holland, the the best general manager pre... uh, If there was a general manager of all time before the salary cap, Ken Holland. Because when you can get Luke Robitaille, Brett Hall, Dominic Hasek all on your roster in one offseason, yeah. It's like, hey, you got... That's, but that's you, the biggest you see that move, and then some people say that the Red Wings, some players had to give up money so Brett Hall could be added into their in, onto their roster. I'm like, there was no salary cap back then; they could do that whenever they wanted. 2002 was a fun time, Nathan. But, yeah, it was right before my. It was right before I have any memories of watching any gosh. sport. I was only three years old. Nathan, what year are you at UMass again? I just graduated two weeks ago. Oh, you did graduate. Okay, thank goodness. Because I was about to say, if you said you were like a junior, I was going to feel really old because I feel like I've followed you for like five years now. No, that's okay. It's okay. I'm 22. I turned 23 in about a month. So you're not that old yet. Oh, my gosh. But you don't have any grades. Oh, I can barely remember the O2 playoffs. Gosh almighty. Well, unfortunately, Bruins fans don't remember the O2 playoffs either. The only thing they remember is Kyle McLaren trying to kill Richard Zednick. But that's another story for a different time. Uh, that's a good way to turn back to the Bruins here, Nathan. You know, for a team that doesn't really have a whole lot of salary cap issues, there's one clear question going into this offseason. Patrice Bergeron, what is the plan with the current captain of the Bruins? Like, do you think he comes back? Or is this it for number 37? I'd really, I hope he comes back. You know, obviously, he's not only is he the Bruins captain? He's also going to be hopefully the runaway Selkie winner. If you look at his metrics, he's like far and away separated from the next group of candidates. Um, You know, he's still performing at the top of his game. I know, you know, if you look at his analytics, he's got like an 85, he's like more valuable than like 85% of players in the league. And he hasn't really slowed down at all. He's still an elite defensive player um, who will generate offense with, with Marchand around him. Uh, I hope he comes back. You know, I, we've, we see guys all the time play into their early forties and I'm not saying that Patrice will do that, but I'd love to see him come back for, you know, one year, have him announce like, this is the last year. Um, cause I think he's a guy who commands respect all or, he's, he's the anti D'Angelo in that, like everyone respects him. Like, like, like even now, you person... say that, cause even tr- like people in Toronto, that obviously you can go with the whole, you know, Francophone versus Anglophone kind of scenario. Patrice Bergeron yeah. being from Quebec and all. Like honestly, like people from Toronto like Patrice Bergeron. I would that'd be like the seventh. If I had to pick, like, do backyard baseball season style, where you can pick any player you want. I'd pick like Crosby, McDavid, whatever Vasilevsky first. But like in my top five would be Patrice Bergeron. Oh, you remember that great line of uh, of Crosby, Bergeron, and Marchand? By the way, at the it was a World Cup of Hockey um, when they had. Uh, Bergeron playing right wing. I think it was great. It was like one of the most fun lines I've ever seen. I think it was but, the first time I actually cheered for Brad Marchand. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. 2016 world cup. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, look, if he leaves the Bru- so the Bruins right now have about 5 million in cap space to work with. Um, they do have some like decently sized contracts, like an aging Nick Foligno um, who they signed, I think another year at 3 million a year. Someone like Derek Forbert or Mike Riley, who are both making like two to three million. They don't have a number two center. So right. that was the issue this year where they were getting really good performances from Thomas Nusek, um, at, at and Eric Halla in their center slots. Um, they don't, 
Patrice Bergeron, as their number one center, was masking a lot of other issues that the Bruins have down the middle, and they haven't really developed any centers since, you know, Sagan left, really. Oh, if you, yeah. if, so um, if he leaves, the Bruins have a decision to make, but the Bruins are, like, too good to do a complete rebuild. You've got a top D pair of McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm, who are both signed for eight more years or seven more years. Brad Marchand, even though he's in his early 30s, um, is too valuable to trade and also has no interest in leaving. I think if you saw his tweet earlier this week. Yeah. Um, so the Bruins don't really have the ability to rebuild. So what they would have to do is, you know, they'd have to move some picks. Um, they also have the third weakest prospect pool of anyone out there. Um, so they'd have to move some picks. They'd have to bring in, maybe try and find someone like like Shifley from Winnipeg. Um you know, people want David Krejci to come back from the Czech Republic. I'm not totally sure that that happens. But, um, you know, all of this could be solved by Bergeron saying, look, I'll take one year, two million or something. Maybe he does, pulls a Mark Giordano and is like, you know, let's really make this next year count and and takes, I, I mean, look, he doesn't need the money right now, um, but I still would want him to get paid, you know? So it's, it's right. he is basically the only decision left for this Bruins team, unfortunately. And because like, and that's why people say, "Oh, the runway's closing." I'm like, the thing is, it's it's hard to say that next year the Bruins are going to be a Stanley Cup contender. But I did look in that first round series. I'm like, you know, they could do it against Carolina. I still think if Jeremy Swayman goes in Game Two, we might have be having a different discussion right now, Nathan, in terms of not the Bruins off season, but the Bruins current season. But unfortunately, hindsight 2020. But this is a team. You know, you have two good goaltenders, Allmark and Jeremy Swayman. You have a good top defenseman in Charlie McAvoy. Maybe get some more depth there. That'll maybe help out. But you still have the perfection line that, for a good chunk of the year, was separated, Nathan. And they still played well with Pasternak playing with Taylor Hall and what have you. It's almost like they'll still be competitive, but do they want to just be competitive to make the playoffs? Or do they want to be competitive for more than that? Like That's the question right now that Sweeney and company are going to have to make in Beantown. Yeah, and I mean, clearly, because... What you don't want to do is you don't want to become the Islanders where you're too good to miss the playoffs, but not good enough to make a Stanley Cup finals because it makes it impossible to rebuild. When you're drafted, when you're picking between 20 and 30 or 20 and 32 in your in the first round every year, the chances of you drafting a star are so much lower than they are because, you know, it goes up by like 10 percent every five picks. Yeah. So you basically want to do what Detroit did. Um, or what Arizona has done, or what the Habs have been doing for the last five months under um, under the Hughes, or with all of the various Hughes that are involved up there. So, I think the Bruins give it one or two more tries. Um, you know, if if and if Bergeron decides to retire, I think Marchand becomes the next captain for two years or so, and then and then it ends up going to McAvoy later on down the line. But again, it would be pretty hard for the Bruins. Oh, and also one more note on the Bruins past season. David Posternak not only dealt with injuries, but he also lost his child right before remember, the start yeah, of the year. Sure, I totally, I totally so, forgot about that until you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he was playing, you know, not just with physical injuries and Marshan missed time with suspensions and injuries as well, but a huge mental battle as well. So I think it's always easy to qualify seasons in retrospect by saying, like, look, there are things that could have gone better. But I do think that, um, and also they were still coming off the COVID year too. So, right. Um, it's totally possible that with a clean slate next year, the Bruins can finish top two, um, you know, and and sort of go from there. Um, especially if you factor in Swayman getting a little better as he grows as well, because he's only twenty three, you know, he, which is very young for a starting goaltender. 
Yeah, he he is ridiculous. SodaPod jumping in there. What is up, boys? What is up, SodaPod? Fortnite Slayer Dog saying W's. I don't know which one he's saying W's for, but nonetheless, we've been chatting up here with Nathan Strauss, formerly of UMass. I got to ask you, Nathan, you are graduated now, and you are, like we mentioned, the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System Hockey Broadcaster of the Year 2022. Uh, what is next for Nathan Strauss? Yeah, well, I'm actually looking at the Western Michigan job. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm gonna... the mother of Teresa. I'm <laughs> Robin, what is this? No. No, I'm just kidding. Um, right now, I'm taking about a month to just do nothing because one of the benefits of working with student with with college athletes and athletics is that I worked through all of my breaks. So in college, yeah, know, in the last right? two years, I haven't had a sort of traditional vacation. Uh, so I'm taking about a month, month and a half to do nothing. And then I'll start looking for stuff in the broadcasting and journalism world. Um, I do want to go to grad school at some point in the future. When I was up in Toronto, I was looking at uh, what is now Toronto Met, formerly or Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly Ryerson. Yeah, um, they've got a, a you know a broadcasting place up there. But for this upcoming year, I'll be available to do freelance broadcasting. Um, I'm sure I'll keep an eye out for if there are any teams in the sort of U.S. juniors world that uh, have openings as well, or on the college side. I'm sort of, it's a hard time because everyone, all the college stuff is just like now ending. So everyone, all the administrators want to take like a month off before ramping into gear. So that's my plan right now. It's not, the problem with the plan is that it's a plan full of nothing, but we'll figure it out as we go along. And and that's the dream. That is always the dream. And Nathan, you, like I said, you are one of the best young broadcasters in not just hockey, but in other sports as well. We saw your stuff with the minute women, the basketball, the A-10 champions. Am I right? Absolutely. Well done. Nice memory. Well, I'm not saying like, I remember you, you, you retweeted a couple times, so I made sure I gave you some love as well. Uh, like I said, Nathan Strauss at Nathan P Strauss on Twitter, guys, be sure to give him a follow when you have a second here on world hockey report after we're done with the show, because we're coming up here at the other side of the break. We're going to have here, Matthew Estevez from raw charge on SB nation, but Nathan, thank you very much, man, for taking the time. Once again, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Can't wait to see what's next for you, man. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Hopefully I'll hop on again. And, uh, Best of luck as you reacclimate to to Michigan rather than uh, you know the, the tropics. Hey, it was I was it was still shorts weather when I came back. It was it was about sixty five, but it's still shorts weather for me. So I thought you were looking. I thought you were looking nice and tan. But uh, thank you for having me. I'm sure I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, and we'll be back here with more here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which 
team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level. And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report here on this Tuesday edition, May 24th. Big game last night. We'll get to that here in just a moment with a guy to my right. To my right? Yes, to my right. I got to make sure I look at the right side of my screen here. But before that, I got to remind you guys that 
It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL, and if you ever want to use save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out to save $20 on SeatGeek. Once again, use the promo code WHR. That's World Hockey Report. You kind of know that. It's on the logo right behind me here on the Pro Rock Studios for $20 off your playoff tickets because playoff tickets are ridiculously expensive. And anyone who any anyone who is anyone knows that is a guy to my right who writes about the Tampa Bay Lightning for SB Nation's Raw Charge. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Matthew Estevez. Matthew, how are you doing today, sir? Fantastic, Tyler. How about you, buddy? I am doing well. The jet lag not as bad on the way back <laughs> than it was on the way there. Have you ever sat in a shower and felt like the room was spinning? Yes. Yeah, that that was yes. me on our, when we first got to Mauritius. I remember we we just got landed, we just got to the resort after 18 hours of flying, and I'm sitting there for a second, I'm like, huh, things are moving that aren't supposed to move right now. At least it felt like it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've flown across the pond a few times. It's it's disorienting every time. It's not. Ugh, it's it's, such a pain. it's it's fun. I'm mean, like the the exciting part of it itself was you know being there for a whole week, but the traveling there and back sucked <laughs> sucked big time um but uh first of all thank you very much for joining us and always folks if you're watching us at whether you're watching us on 12 ounce sports or at the hockey podcast network be sure to follow us at world hockey rpt follow this guy at matthew s estevez you can see his name right there in the little calendar we got below here just down to my left right there you can see it how you spell it there and also follow raw charge at sp nation as well uh matthew first of all i i've asked the, the big topic of the day or question of the day was here for world hockey report was can the lightning do a three P I'm going to give you the numbers we had. If I can find it, Holy cow. We have so many notifications here on world hockey report. I got to find the, the comment, but the answers were yes, no, or Vasilevsky for MVP. Which would <laughs> those three would you pick Matthew? Uh, I mean, it, it really depends. Like before the playoffs, I was kind of skeptical because the team was was relatively inconsistent. And halfway through that Toronto series, it was like, they might get through this, but I might die. And after the Florida series, it's like, man, they they might do it. Like, oh, my gosh. So, like, I'm leaning towards, yeah, I really am because, man, this team has turned a corner since game six against Toronto. My God. Like it's it's insane because that series, by the way, I did pull up the numbers. Uh 37.3% say yes, 33.3 say no, 29.4% say Vasilevsky for MVP. So take with that what you will, Matthew. Uh, but like that was my thing, because I'm watching the series between Tampa and Toronto, and we'll have a guest on Thursday show to also kind of talk about it a little bit as well, because he was there for the Battle of Florida, which we will also get to here in just a moment. But like I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, Tampa's looking tired. Toronto has it, they have this thing. And then game seven happened and I went to myself and I said, oh my gosh, it's the Tampa Bay of old again. Because like that game seven was Andre Vasilevsky playing great, the timely goal scoring, literally everything that Tampa did last year and in good spurts throughout the 2020 run as well. Like it is incredible to see how this team can literally just change their fortunes by saying, oh, remember what we used to do, guys? Let's do that again. And it's literally how it's been for the last five games of these playoffs for them. Well, I mean, honestly, you can go back to game five against Toronto is when Tampa started to look a little bit more like Tampa. There, I, I would say, compared to how Tampa looked against Florida, the game five version of Tampa was maybe 50% of what that team was against Florida. And you started seeing more and more of that creep in 
in game five and game six and game seven was like the culmination of, all right, we're back to what we were because game five and game six, they, I mean, they came out and they jumped on top of the Leafs all three, I mean, all three games, but um, game five and game six were the games where they really jumped out to multi-goal leads early and then they just kind of let it go and the Leafs just took that momentum and ran with it. Um, and so it was, it was piece by piece and game seven was like the culmination of, okay, the lightning are back. And I mean, Toronto threw everything in the, including the kitchen sink at, at them and they just did not blink. And, the entirety of the Florida series was basically that same thing of go ahead, try me. Like, and that's, that's the crazy part about this team because that they can just flip it. Because I remember, I remember there was an interview that Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick on 32 thoughts did before the season with Steven Stamkos saying, yeah, as long as we get there, we'll figure it out after that. Like they just, it's so nonchalant. Like, and I, we were talking with Nathan Strauss just before we had you on here, Matthew here on world hockey report. It, we, I said, I'm like, could you imagine if Tampa actually had fallen to that first wild card spot? We wouldn't have to talk about Tony D'Angelo anymore. Like, I think Carolina would have honestly got knocked out by Tampa in round one if Tampa or Boston had, if somehow they flip-flopped and I would have been terrorized by another Toronto-Boston series. Like, that could have happened. That's how good this team is. Like, they don't care where they are. They could have finished where Washington finished and had to have played Florida in the first round. Might have been the same result. Well, let's also remember that this the top part of the Eastern Conference is just absolutely stacked. I mean, this is what like, I think the first time or like one of the very few times every single playoff team cleared 100 points. That's insane. Yeah. Like that's now you can you can counter argue that by saying, you know, oh, well, the bottom half of the Eastern Conference was absolutely atrocious and you'd have a point there. But man, these top eight teams in the East were were tough. I mean, you saw how Washington played Florida. And you can call that, and that's kind of the chicken and egg. Was it more so Washington played that well, even with bad goaltending, or was Florida always this susceptible? And I think you can you can make a reasonable argument for each. Personally, I think it's more so Florida's defense and defensive structure was just not that was nowhere near good enough. And when it bent, it bent badly. Um, but when it comes to just Tampa, I mean, my that, that quote by Stan because you can kind of you can kind of infer it as like arrogance to a certain extent, which is how I inferred it to a certain extent. I was like, guys, you need to at least be, you don't have to, you don't have to be like on a certain winning streak or win like seven out of your last 10 games to be fine going into the playoffs, but you need to at least be playing a solid fundamental game. And they were not playing a solid fundamental game. And like I said, those first four games were a roller coaster. I mean, they got absolutely just boat raced, boat raced in game one, Uh, managed to scrape away game two. Um, got got slapped around in Game Three, and then they turned around and boat raced Toronto in Game Four, and then Game Five, Six, and Seven. It was just haymakers, just left and right from both teams. It was just absurd. The like it's that's what makes the playoffs fun, right? And that's why people, my myself included, we love the first round more because teams have at least have some energy, even though they just went through an eighty-two season grind, eighty-two game season grind. But like the first round's like, all right, we're in the playoffs, let's go, and it's wild open, but like. That's the thing about this Tampa team is that they know, hey, we know we have to play at a certain level in this first round, but we know later on there's a different way we got to play. And that's why this second round is so interesting because in the to, to Florida fans out there, yes, this is a, di- a very disappointing end of the season. The team, this is the highest scoring President's Trophy winning team, Matthew, in the history of our league. That's how good Florida was during the regular season. Yet they only get one power play goal in four games against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like the playoffs, they're different. And three goals all series. Game. And three goals all series. It's just, 
Uh, Florida's going to do a lot of soul searching. Um, the biggest reason why is Vasilevsky. The man just was possessed this this round, and uh, like it, I, I, there's no words to describe it other than you got Vasilevskied. Um, but there's also other mitigating factors too. Tampa absolutely slowed down Florida for the vast majority of this series, especially early on. Uh, Florida struggled to kind of get the normal looks that they're used to. The ones they did get didn't go in, obviously. And then you could see the frustration catch up to them. Um, and also more than anything else, Florida was such a dominant transition and rush team, and Tampa just slowed them down to almost a crawl. They didn't slow them all the way, but they slowed them down to a crawl and just patiently waited and patiently waited. And as soon as they made a mistake, they pounced on them. And Florida couldn't recover because Flo- I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, Florida's defense, it's Ekblad and Uyghur, two fantastic defensemen. Who else? Forsling, maybe. Montour's not bad. Is it Forsling Gudis? Was that the pair? I, I don't know their pairing specifically, but like two, the, there are two defensemen who are just knockout rock stars are Ekblad and, and Uyghur. And Ekblad was, was iffy, and he was pretty awful in game four, in my opinion. Uyghur just had a tough, tough, tough tough series against yeah. us and then who else is going to step up on that defense forsling he's not going to step up montour those years are past him Racco gudis he's there for one thing and one thing only to hit things ben sherrod i, I cannot believe they traded the first from ben sherrod that's just obnoxious that, that was that might have been because remember how much hate the lightning you guys got for the hagel trade everyone thought this is the dumbest thing ever it's too much for this guy ben sherrod was picked up by the montreal canadians for just about the same amount and it's almost seeming like Tamp once again, Julian Breeze while over here trying to get GM of the year because he's making another good solid trade that might actually work out again. Two. 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 You're thinking Hagel, you're not even thinking about Paul. And oh we just gosh. got Paul. Yeah, the guy we got Paul. We got that killed Tr- Who would have thought yeah. an Ottawa Senator actually beats yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> in the playoffs? Oh I say Paul Paul was a one for one with Matthew Joseph. Like that was a that was a shrewd little move right there. But it's just again. Florida's defense was susceptible. They are fantastic at getting the puck up the ice, but they're not necessarily the greatest at really holding down the fort when they need to. And you saw them buckle repeatedly in that in, in our series. Um, and, and you can feel bad for Bobrovsky because he really didn't play bad. He played he played more than well enough for that team to win, in my opinion. But, I mean, like I said, they got goalied. Tampa was able to slow them down enough. And, I mean, two cups, you know how to just wait for your chances, and that's exactly what they did. And – once again, yes, you look at the offensive struggles, you see three goals, but like you mentioned Bob and, and I know people see, Oh, it's a five, one and a four, one game. Like this series wasn't close at all. I'm like, well, yeah, but they're like three empty net goals though. Like mm-hmm. every game was decided realistically. I, I don't, I try to avoid counting empty net goals, but by like one or two goals, every game, mm-hmm. like that's how tight this series was from the get go. It's the, it's, I look at it as, and I know it's a different s- spectacle, but like the 2018 first round between LA and Vegas, Jonathan Quick played out of his mind in that series. Unfortunately, on the other end was Marc-Andre Fleury, who was still hot on the collar after being left open by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it went four games, and it was the tightest four games I think I've ever seen in my life. Until this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um, but more, I mean, you, you got to give Florida credit, though, because, I mean, they came out... They came out angry. They came out hungry in Game 4. Like, the effort they put forward in Game 4, that was a team that you could tell, okay... They like they are desperate to get some, which is what you want to see out of a team like that. And it just wasn't their night, and it wasn't their series, honestly. I mean, you, you just can't say enough about Vasilevsky, man. He's, I mean, my God, dude, he's he's already got a Hall of Fame resume. He's twenty seven. 
and and the and he's he's already a Hall of Famer, not just because he won two cups, but he's also because he's a candidate for the Vesna Trophy. And I and I know don't get mad at me, Matthew. I think it's going to go to Shosturkin this year because I think oh. they do they do vote before the playoffs, and I feel like it's one of those instances where. Unlike in the olden days when Dominic Hoshik literally won it every year, except for the one year that voters got tired picking him, they picked Jim Carrey instead for some unknown reason. I feel like the PWHA, or no, the PHWA, excuse me, there, there's so many those P, the Professional mm-hmm. Hockey Association. <laughs> like there's, I feel like they just like, you know, we got to pick someone different this year because that's why that's that's it's the only logical reason Adam Fox won last year, right? Because they don't want no, to kill the car for the next five years. They had to put some sort of like a chink in the armor. Adam Fox was spectacular last season. Like he really was fantastic yeah, last he's season. A, okay. You could you, you, you need I, to get in the, the what a defenseman is because Victor Hedman should have won it for the last four years. Let's be honest. I mean, if we're if we're if we're going to that sense, but you have to take every season in isolation because I mean Fox really was just absolutely fantastic last season. And Hedman, I mean, he 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 had a pretty ugly bump for a good little bit uh last season and let's remember it's a regular season award we can't and we can't allow our our playoff biases to affect that because absolutely once the playoffs came headman was head and shoulders above everybody else <laughs> and the same head and shoulders above everyone else <laughs> both literally and figuratively and vasileski's in the same manner too vasileski does i mean he's on a, he's a, he's on a nominee this year and he doesn't deserve to be based off his regular season because he wasn't good enough compared to the other goalies who really stepped up. And Igor should win it by a mile because he was just absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, but there, make no mistake, the best goalie in the world is still Andre Vasilevsky until it's proven otherwise. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to see if I can. F- I can't find the numbers off the top, but I can't. What was the save percentage in the series? Wasn't it like 950, 60? Against, uh, Against Florida? Florida. I think it was like 950 something or 960 something. I mean, he let in three goals in three, four games. I mean, it's probably closer to 980 probably. Yeah. It, like it's, a, it's crazy how good he is. And he's got a 932 in this, in this entire playoffs. And I just, it's one of those instances. Where <laughs> no, like, no. Hold, time out on that. He is a 930 and he was a sub 900 goalie in that, in that Toronto series. That, like, me. that's why I'm saying, like, if you erase those first four games, like, let's be honest, like it, this is a different like this guy is posting like dead puck era Hashik numbers. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's he has been otherworldly, but also his team in front of him. I mean, the sheer amount of shots that Tampa has committed to blocking since game six against oh, Toronto. game two. Yeah, game two. That's all I got to look at. It's been insane. And it's just like they they did this at times in their last two cup runs, but I feel like I feel like this year they are just completely selling out for just no. You will not put the puck anywhere near our goaltender. Screw you. I don't care if I if I you know get a bruise. I, you're, I'm stopping everything. That's why. Like I, I really wonder. Even though Iserman left before they made that run in 2020, you could see that the Iserman influence on Steven Stamkos. The same influence that Scotty Bowman had Steve Eiser, had on Steve Eiserman in the 90s in Detroit. Like Stevie Y in his first few years. Oh, he's putting up 60-plus goals, 50-goal seasons, all-star, great, you know. And I still say this. Had he not had to play the same era as Gretzky and Lemieux, he might have been one of the best centers in our game's history, no questions asked. And I say that like on people on the outside. People that watched him understood that Eiserman is one of the best centers of all time. But what Eiserman committed to doing when he's like, you know what? I want to win a dang Stanley Cup. I just want that. And Sky's like, all right, you're going to have to do this. 
I coached Bob Gainey for six years or seven years. This is what you're going to have to do. And Steve Eisman started doing it. And now we're seeing that with Stamkos in the last few years. I know 2020 he didn't play because, you know, he had the hernia and whatnot. He scored a goal, still scored a goal. But, like, I look <laughs> at game goal. two and seeing him literally oh, man. hobble off the ice and then get back on. He has that Iserman in him that makes him just that much of a better and more first ballot Hall of Famer than what he may have been back in, what, say, 2017, 2018. Yep. No, I completely, I completely agree with that assessment. And just going back to that goal in game three against Dallas, that is, um, man, that goal is going to be remembered for de- for generations. Like captain's gone the entire postseason because of an injury. He comes back for one game, gets injured on that same shift, says, screw it. I'm going in and just wires. Like, that's the moment right there that every Tampa fan knew, yep, we're winning the cup. Like, that this that entire run was just magic, and that was just like, that was, that was the chef's kiss, and the, yep, th- no matter what happens, we are winning the cup because of that, because of that goal right there. Because he pulled, just, didn't he, he pop it. his hip on that play? Like, it was when he turned, the, when he turned to go outside the defense. Maybe, maybe it was his hip. Regardless, he felt something pop down low. I wasn't sure if it was a groin or a hip, uh, but he felt something pop. And then that's why you see him basically take one stride and he just glides down the rest of the way. And then he just wires this laser past Kudobin. And that right there, every Lightning fan do, yep, this cup's ours. And and that's why and I that's why it's so hard, like you know, as a Toronto fan, seeing them four times a year, you know, Kucherov, you can some you know, you can make your excuse of, oh, look at the this bear shirt Burt Keishner kind of guy, <laughs> you know. Saying, you know, dropping the F-bomb during interviews or whatever. You know, oh, okay, you can probably find a way to dislike him. I can't hate Steven Samkos. That's my problem. Like, he's just such a, he seems like such a nice guy. And he's just going to go out there. Hey, guys, how's it going? Oh, by the way, I put up three points against you. Sorry about that. And just go off the ice. Like, and he's such a great player. And and it, it's almost like, that. And that's why I give it the Steve Eisman effect. Like, you could say, oh, Steven Stamkos' best years were like six years ago when he was putting up six or 10 years ago. He's putting up 60 goals. He was a better player then. I'm like, I think he's a better player now than what he was back then. He's a he's a more complete player now. He was far more more one dimensional in his earlier years. But let's remember, he had a career high 100 point season this year. (laughs) Like that that gets lost. He had a career. He had never hit 100 points. He had hit 90 points multiple times, but he had never hit 100 and he hit 100 this year. Like. The evolution of Steven Stamkos has been a wonder to watch, to watch this scrawny little 18-year-old come into the league and become this 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 bulky, just monster of a player. And all by, he is not the greatest two-way player in, in the game. And he probably will never be remembered for a great two-way player. Even though his two-way play is, it's okay. He's okay in his own end. He's still an offensive player. But just his evolution and how he's molded himself to be the leader and the player that he is now it's just it's 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 astonishing to watch and and the fact that a lot of us were worried about Stamkos. i mean the man had a lot of his prime years robbed due to injuries i mean it was what three consecutive years it felt like he was constantly dealing with some kind of injury that kept him out for an extended period of time and now it's like he comes back and he's in his late 20s early 30s you're like this is when guys start to regress and yeah. the man is just pumping points and just pumping championships it's ridiculous well, because I, I remember, well, obviously, I remember 2014 vividly because there was the whole Marty St. Louis problem with CV Eiserman. I remember that vividly. And then there was him getting injured early in the 16 17 season, right after everyone thought he was coming back to Toronto. I remember that as well. 
And then people, that's when the whole state tax started to become a thing. I'm like, oh, you don't have to pay state taxes there in Florida. Well, no wonder he didn't want to come back to Toronto. Um, but yeah, he seemed like he's always had to fight through sorts of things. And of course there was 2020, but this is a team. I mean, we, we, you can go through the lineup and just say why every player is great. Vasilevsky, Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos. Oh, by the way, four games, not Braden point who was their MVP last year. I mean, we got to remember that. How does this team keep doing it? Like, can they keep doing it? I mean, just look at it, man. They have, I mean, besides those guys, you, you've got the Andre Palats, the Alex Kalorns, who Anthony they're just Sorelli, yeah. the Anthony Sorelli's who might not be top flight guys, but they're guys you would love on your second line or deeper in your lineup. I mean, for Christ's sake, if you have Andre Palat in your third line, you're doing pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, and they're the Swiss Army Knife guys of this roster. Then you bring in guys like Nick Paul, Ross Colton, you know, who's already a lightning legend given what he did last postseason and, and Brandon Hagel. I mean, they just, you got to give it to JBB for finding guys like Paul and Hagel and, and identifying what Tampa needed. Then Tampa, Tampa most definitely needed a bit more size and a bit more forechecking tenacity um, deeper in their lineup. And that's what they brought in with Hagel and Paul. I mean, Hagel, Hagel's been snake bitten. Yeah. And I'm still not the biggest fan of Hagel's offensive prowess when it comes to shooting. I think his shot is a little suspect, but he's got great vision. He's got great playmaking capabilities. And the man is a four checking maniac. I mean, oh. you just watch him play. He's constantly on top of people. And Paul's the same way, but he's gigantic. Paul is gigantic and he knows how to use his body appropriately. It isn't, he doesn't use it recklessly. And you saw what he can do. I mean, he was, he was, he, I wouldn't say he was dominant, but he was noticeable and impactful. Uh, in those last three games against Toronto, and then he took over Game Seven, just absolutely took over. He straight that he game. went full Maxime Talbot, like that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And you need guys like that. You need your depth guys. You need your third, third or fourth liners to step up when you know your top guns on both sides are just neutralizing each other. You need those guys, and that's that. Tampa just consistently keeps finding those because I mean, the past two years we kept talking about the Gordon line, rightly so, because they would just pound teams to death with how relentless they were, with how good they can score and all that type of stuff. And just that that's what Tampa does. They just keep coming at you with guys that can beat you that other teams just don't have deeper in their lineups. They think they do because of regular season success, but then when the lights are the brightest and the pressure's at its highest, that's when you really find out what kind of guys you have. Yeah, and they're, I mean, this is a team that seems to play for one another, which is crazy, especially in today's salary cap era where, you know, outside perspective seems like a lot of me more than we with some teams and whatnot. And and there are certain players that you can certainly have that argument with, but it seems like this group just no matter like Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, two of the best players in the game. And then there's little Brandon Hagel down here. And there's, you know, well, Ross Colton who last year was a minor role or whatever, but it seems like the, the gap between the two has come together when this team knows it needs to win, which was why it makes this team so, so anti-salary cap. I can't come up with a better term for it right now because it seems like they're so together, even though there is the high end paying players and the lower end, you know, working class kind of guys, they're all, it's us and we with them. And that's why they're still chugging away and trying to win a third straight Stanley cup, which has not happened in 40 years. Yeah, it's, Man, I, I can't believe they made a conference final. Like, I'm telling you, man, I was really worried going into the Toronto series. I was like, man, Toronto speed's going to be a problem. And then game one happened. I was like, see, it's going to be a problem. And it was a problem for those first four games. Well, three games. Game four, we blew you out. But, you know, those first three games, 
Toronto speed was a problem, an absolute problem. And then Tampa adjusted like Tampa does, and they they made Toronto pay. And, I mean, it, it goes to say for these first two rounds, they did go up against two relatively young coaches that are inexperienced when it comes to these types of things. Um, with Sheldon Keefe, I felt like Keefe did what he could. It just wasn't enough. And then Andrew Burnett, I felt like he was completely outclassed, just ap- in every facet, just outclassed as a coach when it came to adjustments and everything else, because you can't let a power play go as long as Florida's did without scoring and not change things. And they just stubbornly stuck to the same things. Like, oh, we'll, we'll get one. I'm like, dude, it's the playoffs. It don't work for a game. It's time to change it. You don't have time right. to say, oh, it'll get there. No, no, you need to change that right now. Do something. Because all it takes is one game for you to fall behind, and that's that, that could be the difference. That's all that has to happen. And do you that's a good question. Do you think Andrew Burnett wins the Jack Adams this year? Because it, it's so crazy for a guy to come in and like the team was already good before he was there. And of course, there was the whole Chicago Blackhawks scenario, which is what led to Joel Quinville resigning. Let's be honest here. But I mean, he did a great job, but it, you could see the inexperience between. Back-to-back Stanley Cup champion John Cooper and first year kind of thrown to the Wolves, Mr. Expansion Draft, Andrew Burnett being the guy. Like, do you think he who actually the, gets that award, though? Who were the other candidates again? I forgot. And now I'm trying to figure that out myself. I was about to ring yeah, him off. And like, I know I, I know Burnett's one. Burnett should be the favorite, in my opinion. But I want to remember who the other two were. The other were Daryl Sutter and Jared Gallant. Ooh, I think Gallant's. Ooh, I think Gallant's. Well, then, no, job okay. Is... I will say this to to the point. Yes, Gallant, mm-hmm. I think has done a great job. Took the Rangers finally back to the playoffs officially for the first time since 2017. But the potential Vesna winner, I think, has a lot to do with that. Daryl. Oh Sutter, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Shosturkin is the biggest reason why Gallant that award. Absolutely. Uh, but let's be honest. The Jack Adams usually goes to the coach who had the who had a goalie who played out of his mind and this team overperformed. And the Rangers more than the more than the Panthers, most definitely overperformed preseason expectations. So that's yeah. what makes me think it's between Brunette and, Gal- and Gallant, and it really kind of depends on how voters view it. If you view the fact that Florida had a ridiculously stacked team and it didn't matter who coached them, then Gallant. If you view it in the sense of, hey, this man literally had to come in and replace a surefire Hall of Famer head coach, one of the greatest to ever coach in the NHL and he did a fantastic job guiding the Florida Panthers to the greatest season that franchise has ever seen to having the highest scoring offense in two decades, you know, and being a force to be reckoned with. And they very much were. And so it comes down to how, what interpretation you fit to. And personally, I think Brunette should win it just because of the situation he walked into. However, it would not surprise me at all, and I wouldn't be upset if Galat wins it given the situation that he was in and given the preseason predictions of what we expected out of the New York Rangers. And shout out to everyone from Western Canada that just turned off World Hockey Report saying, what about Sutter? I mean, Sutter is Sutter. He's a world-class coach, Hall of Fame coach. He doesn't need a Jack Adams. He doesn't care about a Jack Adams. He doesn't need that nonsense. Sutter doesn't care. Uh, like, there's, there's only there's only Sutter one trophy at all except for winning like he just, yeah there's only one like, trophy that daryl sutter cares about he cares about the stanley cup that's all he cares about that's why like that interview uh after the nine six game of game one we'll talk about the battle of alberta after we wrap things up here with matthew vesteves but like when he smiled i was like wait daryl that daryl sutter smiling it can't be right at all only happens like three times a year i'm sure well, well, so that's why, like, um, he he is. If there ever was a hockey Tom Landry, the old famous. Dad oh yes, coach. that yep, yeah, perfect, perfect. He is Daryl. 
The guy never smiles unless he wins. Nope. Perfect. Yep, he's absolutely Tom Landry. 100%. I don't think Daryl Sutter, though, could pull off a fedora, though. I think we can all be honest. There. He doesn't need to. He has glorious hair enough as it is. He has, like, the fact that at his age, he can have a widow's peak and grow a head of hair. Like, that. you know what? Good for him. I don't know what kind a, of... That's back, an impressive accomplishment. <laughs> I don't know what back-ass words uh, Rogaine foam he uses, but it works, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, looking at the rest of these playoffs here, as you as now Tampa gets a nice little bit of a layoff here, because I still think, I don't think the Rangers are going to lose at home, and I don't think Carolina's going to find a way to win on the road. That's going to go seven games here. Like, Man, what, let me tell you. Who would you, you rather face going to the conference finals? Carolina I don't or care. New York? You either get the I don't care. gassed Igor Shosturkin, or you get the Carolina Hurricanes, who are literally hit or miss, depending on where they are playing. I don't care. It doesn't matter because Tampa, okay, Tampa, Stamkos. <laughs> no, literally, I don't care because Tampa should be able to defeat both of those teams. If you're going to ask me who's the worst matchup, Carolina is probably the worst match. It's probably the worst matchup out of the two. Um, of course, every Ranger fan who I know is be like, oh, but we swept the lightning during the regular season. I said, congratulations. The regular season means nothing in the postseason. It means absolutely nothing. Um especially because I'm pretty sure we had a losing record against Toronto and we ended up beating Toronto. But regardless, uh, I think it was it, two and two. Was it or two it and was two? Like maybe like two, one and one or something like that. But yeah. Okay. Regardless though, like, 500. regular season matchups mean nothing, especially with the way that Tampa's playing right now. Um, Carolina, I think is more of a matchup problem because Carolina is a deeper team than New York, but New York's got, I, I feel New York's got better higher end talent. Um, and so we'll see what happens because my God, dude, Carolina confuses me. I thought Carolina was going to wipe the floor with Boston five max six games, and they could not win a road game. It was bewildering that they couldn't win a road game against a Boston team that I felt was very suspect. And now they're against New York and they have not dominated play. Like I thought they would like New York has really hung in that series way better than I thought to not even accounting for Shesterkin, even though he's been great, but I felt like New York in general, just the way they've played, they've played Carolina far closer than anyone would have expected and I feel like Carolina's feeling the pressure, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if, if the Rangers pull this off at seven, I really wouldn't, or if they even upset them and pull it off in six or something like it would not surprise me because I feel like Carolina's kind of gripping their sticks a little tight right now. You know, we'll see what happens tonight with game four, but man, Carolina's got to figure it out because they're better than this. There, there is some issues. Uh, shout out to Sean Butcher and Liam Wolf jumping in the chat. Sean Butcher, the peanut butter man here. So he says, sorry, I'm late. It's okay. Because if you're a little late, that's all right. You can check out our interview with Nathan Strauss on demand after the show here on World Hockey Report this Tuesday edition. We're chatting with Raw Charge, SB Nation's Matthew Estevez. Matthew, how how long do you have? I'm sorry, buddy. I realize we're going for a little bit. How long? Do oh you have? man, I, I'm I'm good, man. I mean, we can go as long as you need. I mean, I'd prefer to be done here in the next like 20 minutes. My fiance should be home from work, and my 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 one year old Corky's going to start barking up the entire apartment. So I don't I don't want that to ruin your recording. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's funny. Like my my Corgi, who we had at a we had what you ever heard of Rover? Yeah. Oh yeah, we had her at a rover for ten days. Uh, there was a apparently a meetup at a at a local dog park that we always take her to. The person that was watching her took her there, and it was a corgi meetup. So she's still tired from that today. So that's why she's so. That's why everything's so quiet right now in the in the studio here. Aren't oh, corgi your dog now? Cleo. Cleo is a year and a half. Yeah, because uh, I'd say I remember you posting about it because I, I looked back at your Twitter. You got you said you got her in November. We got her in. August of 2020. So that's why I think. Oh, I that's think right. I inspired our, me to get a corgi. 
yeah, I would say our corgis are actually pretty close in age, aren't they? Because yeah. Cleo was born September 1st, and I think yours was born in July or June, right? July, or July no, July 7th is her birthday. Okay. I remember my, it was a few days after a few days after Independence Day. Sean Butcher says, I can already see all the corgis, all the fluff. <laughs> what, what, wait, did you, does yours have a tail? No, she does not. Ours does. Yeah, we so didn't, I, remember, we, I remember seeing the pictures. Wait, yeah, we is didn't. It, want, is we, it shedding we, season for her yet, or no? She sheds all year. We live in Florida, dude. Well, that's right. Well, she's just getting her winter <laughs> coat off. Literally, like you can't see it on here because my camera is not that HD. God bless it. But literally, <laughs> like I picked her up and with my shirt on, and it's black, which was stupid, and it's just now covered in dog hair. Aren't they wonderful dogs? I absolutely adore her. I adore my dog to death. Well, that's the crazy thing, like with her because like, the, the lady that had that watched her she has like a family so she has kids or whatever and like she like for 10 days it was like another parent like watching mm-hmm. the kids playing with the kids and i'm like this is like i'm expecting a dog to like attack kids sometimes but like her she's just like oh hi guys how's it going like corgis are they're uh, such good temperament dogs especially if you raise them right they're such good dogs like cleo cleo loves people she will just see people immediately just like oh <gasps> and just run up to them and like lay down and be like, pit me, you know, oh, other yeah. dogs, other dogs. She still, she still does this weird, like defensive stance thing. I don't know why she does it. Does she fall uh, on her back and let them lick them and smell them? No, she oh. like stands there and gets in like a defensive position. And then it takes her a little bit to warm up to him. But once she warms up to him, run around, have as much fun as you want. It's, it's weird. Well, when we go, when we go to dog parks, she'll never pay attention to humans. She'll only pay attention to dogs. But if we are taught, but if we're on a walk and we see people, she'll, she'll stop because she knows not to run at them. She'll mm-hmm. stop and sit down because she wakes them to walk by and pet her or pet her. Like she's <laughs> that's like, a, she's like, that's that. a smart dog. That's a smart dog. Sean yeah, Butcher Cleo, says, I agree. Corgis so are good dogs. He does question though. Here's a question here from Sean Butcher, Matthew. It's a what? very important one. Do you prefer what? creamy or crunchy peanut butter? Creamy or crunchy? See, I've, I see, I can't really give an opinion because i've only really had creamy my entire life i think i've only had crunchy peanut butter on like two occasions my entire life um i don't see a reason why crunchy would be bad though but i mean i've only had really creamy my entire life not not because like i hate crunchy it's just that's what i was raised on that's what i've eaten <laughs> i will say like i i don't mind it but if i'm given the choice like since i buy my own peanut butter i'm getting creamy like i just yeah it's here's the here's the best way to describe it it's like do you want orange juice with pulp or no pulp I like pulp with orange juice, but I don't like having to floss my teeth after I drink orange juice, though. See, I've never had that problem, though. Like, I feel like the pulp, you especially didn't play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Get, the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. No, I like I like pulp in my orange juice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't eh. I mean, I'll try it. I have no issue trying it. I don't remember the last time I tried. it. I know I've tried it. It's just been a long time. But like if I'm at the grocery store, I'm grabbing, you know, I'm grabbing Jif smooth. <laughs> Well, it's just like it's always there, and I, I well, I'm I myself, I'm a I'm an Aldi man, so I have whatever the heck brand that is, <laughs> whatever. Say we, uh, brand. But, we um, we're, no, we're, yeah, we're public we're, pu- we're public shoppers we're public shoppers with the occasional Trader Joe's trip. Oh my gosh, my that's the good thing we live on the west side of Grand Rapids now because the only Trader Joe's we have is on the east side, and we used to live literally like within walking distance of it. So yeah. I could li- if I was if, if Kelly was home for the day, or she didn't work or whatever, I could bet my bottom dollar that there was gonna be a trader joe's bag on my kitchen table when i got home <laughs> yeah my fiance loves it she loves trader joe's to death like I, 
I've never, I don't understand it. I'm just a mystery. You know what? Pork is pork. Chicken is chicken. I don't care where I get it from. One of those people. But then my wife's like, oh my gosh, I got this from Trader Joe's. Look at this honey, this cashew butter and this honey that's made with like the extract of like wasps or whatever. Like, I'm our, like, our, our women would get along very well. <laughs> like, I, I don't like, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I'm, a, I'm literally like, all right, here's Campbell's chunky soup, whatever. And then she's like, but this one was made with like a Buddhist monk overseeing it or whatever. Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Sean Butcher's from Fort Knox, Kentucky. Do they have Trader Joe's in Kentucky? I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I know Trader Joe's is like all throughout the country, but I have no idea if they have anything in Kentucky. Maybe Louisville, right? You think Louisville? I I would assume, but again, I have no idea. We, no we so we we flew out of Chicago to go to Mauritius, or whatever, and we drove by like the big fancy Whole Foods. You see it from the highway. Like, if I ever if you ever think Trader Joe's is a little bougie, Fort Whole Foods is. I don't know. Do you, you whole know Foods is a whole scary? different. I've been to Whole Foods, but like Whole Foods is a whole different level of bougie. And I wouldn't even consider Trader Joe's bougie. I would just consider Trader Joe's like, um, like I kind of think of them like indie music, like the the brands that you don't really expect to see that kind of do their own thing, even though they might be under a, a bigger company's umbrella or something. That's kind of how I view Trader Joe's. Um, not so much a bougie. Um, but Whole Foods is Jesus. There they are bougie. Sean Butcher confirmed for us. There is no Trader Joe's around here, even though he used the wrong theirs. I'm not going to get into that with him. Uh, <laughs> he does have a Sam's Club though. Sam's Club. There you bus. go. There you go. There you go. Sam's, Sam's Club, the off-brand, uh, off-brand Costco. <laughs> hey, it works. And I hate Costco. I listen. I will say this. I don't like it either. But the amount of toilet paper I can get there. Like my, I don't, I, we don't have one ourselves. We have, we use her parent, my, my wife's parents for that because it's very nice, but like, it's, it's a very nice thing to have, to be able to buy like a bunch in bulk and not have to worry about like being it's, judged for having a shopping cart full of toilet paper. I know it's, you know, it's early good. 2020, that was a problem, but nowadays it's like, oh, you <laughs> buy one pack from last year, like a year. Yeah. It's good for, it's good. Or, it's good for very specific things I feel, but the entire concept of the store to me is everything is everything that's wrong with american consumerism because i'm just so i'm just like no 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 my fiance my fiance shares a membership with one of our close friends so we 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 both use it in tandem just to get the small things that we need for better prices and stuff like that and besides we don't have a ton of storage space in this apartment anyway (laughs) right so we can't buy in bulk a whole bunch no yeah exactly and that's why we did that but now we got a house um, we're going to get, you know, Matthew, while we have you here, and obviously we'll, we'll only have about a few more, about 15 more minutes here on today's edition of World Hockey Report. We're going to talk about the Battle of Alberta here with you in just a moment. Get your thoughts on it. But, guys, you need a new hockey stick. Well, all the big brands, speaking of ridiculously expensive stuff, all the big brands keep raising their prices, making the game more affordable than ever before. But do not fall for that. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock, right up behind me here at the World Hockey Report Studios, a true Canadian company with real morals, offering players of all levels a top-of-the-line stick at a fraction of the cost. Lighter, more balanced, and has more customizable options Anything than anything off the rack. Check out the family-run business today at ProRock.com. ProRock, Matthew, the Trader Joe's of hockey sticks. <laughs> that was fantastic. It's in, it's Indie Rock, and it's it's Indie ProRock hockey sticks. Let's go. Let's keep this run rolling here. <laughs> um, 
Sean Betcher, I don't think I've seen y'all on here. I've been with Neil, Isha, and Dylan. Yes, Isha Romi, of course, or Isha Jeromi of the Hockey Podcast Network. I am the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. I'm talking with Raw Charge from SB Nations, Matthew Estevez here talking about the Lightning, but let's get to the Battle of Alberta, Matthew. I'd love to hear your thoughts here. This series we knew was going to be an interesting one. It's the Battle of Alberta. The first time in over 30 years it's in the playoffs. And things got a little, little testy after after game four, or at the end of game three, excuse me. Evander came with a natural hat trick, 10 goals now on the playoffs, and everyone in Edmonton saying, yeah, Kenny Holland's a genius. And I remember all of us <laughs> when he got signed was like, are you out of your freaking mind? But it it's working out for them. Zach Hyman, of course, having a big series, a big playoff in general now. He has four goals in three games now, Zach Hyman does, for the Oilers in this series who lead 2-1 to one tonight. What do you think about this series, Matthew? Because I, I'm enjoying it as a fan, as an outsider. I could not imagine if you were actually living in the province of Alberta. That's probably a little crazy. <laughs> oh, what God. Do you think? Oh, I've been loving the Battle of Alberta. It's so good. Oh my god, dude! Every game is just fireworks. It's so so good. It's so fun to watch these two teams just, just literally, just like like Tampa and Toronto were in the first round, just throwing haymakers. And it's like, oh my god, oh man! I know you said you know, Evander Kane is is, is problematic in and of himself due to his, his off ice stuff, but there was never a doubt that the man could play hockey. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he's doing well is not surprising, especially with Connor McDavid. And Connor McDavid's just. The man is literally putting the team on his back saying, let's go, boys. Let's go, boys. He is doing what we all expected of Connor Mm -hmm. McDavid. And I saw an article earlier. I'm not going to specify where it's from because I don't want to bash them. But I saw an article saying that, you know, the Oilers are more than just Connor McDavid. And I'm saying to myself, 23 points. (laughs) Are you kidding (laughs) me? Yeah. I mean, dude, he's literally the reason they beat the Kings. Like, he took over the final two games of that series. Yeah. took over and he's just come he's continued that through this flame series um yes the oilers are most definitely more than just mcdavid but we cannot that does not diminish how absolutely absurd Connor mcdavid has been in these playoffs um because you're because they're right evander kane's having a great postseason so is zach hyman um <clears throat> on my throat and shoot even their defensemen are actually chipping in a lot too so it's yep i mean yeah, Edm- Tyson playing well and yeah guys like them yeah, and like Edmonton's looking more like a, a solid playoff team that can make some noise and really create chaos. And they're capitalizing on Calgary's mistakes. And I mean, I wouldn't say there were issues with Calgary's first round against Dallas. That was more so Jake Ottinger just literally becoming the Great Wall of China and just refusing to let anything through. Um, but the Flames look a little, I wouldn't say flustered, but they, they look a little just befuddled on what exactly to do. Um, yes, Edmonton is leaning, is tilting their ice time heavily with McDavid and the star players. But I mean, if if he's your horse, you ride him until you can't ride him anymore, you know? Um, but also Markstrom has been horrendous, like just objectively bad. Whereas Mike Smith, aside from a bad game one, I feel like Mike Smith's actually rebounded really, really well in this series, which is surprising for what is he 40, 41 now? I think he's actually, it's funny. It seemed like he's been in the league forever, but I think he just turned 40. But yeah, I know he's, he's been, and Markstrom, Markstrom got pulled in the last game. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, what uh, I know, you know, Vlader or Daniel Vladar. I always call, I want to call him Vlader because it's easy to say Darth Vader, but Vladar, yeah. play, I mean, he had to come in and I just, 
that's a big question for Calgary in this series. Sean Butcher says, I'm rooting for the Flames. I think this is going seven. Sean, I did pick the Flames in seven, so you and I are on the right I path agree. right now. He also says he I missed agree. goalie fights. Sorry, Sean, I don't think either Mike Smith nor Jacob Markstrom want to get themselves kicked out in any of these games. But I don't know, man. I think Mike Smith would be more than happy to throw 50 cuffs. It's Mike Smith. That's why I'm <laughs> bummed that the St. Louis Blue. That's why I'm bummed St. Louis and Edmonton haven't had to play because I think Jordan Bennington would finally get his fight if he tried to test Mike Smith. But my mo- my money's on Smith. My money's on Smith and that. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm sorry. Anything against Jordan Bennington, like I I would love to see him get in a goalie fight because then you can do cr- crazy player tracking with that sort of thing. Because if you always want to find the best player tracking information, guys, find them on Quack Stats. Follow them on social media and go check out their website and app today for more. That kids is how you do a segue to it. <laughs> that that's smooth. how you do it. That was smooth, buddy. Oh man, I recharged up my my. Uh, What's a, my hoverboard for that sort of thing to, to segue into that uh, into that reader? But no, this is going to be a long series. But well, I think it's going to go seven. But if if Markstrom can't figure out how to make a save, as we've seen in the first three games of this series, Matthew, we might be talking about this series being done on Thursday if he doesn't figure it out tonight. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong, man. Like, I, I don't know what it is. And I saw a lot of people talking on Twitter that, you know, Markstrom this season had a lot of struggles with Edmonton and it might creep up and, and be an issue here. And lo and behold, it's been an issue. It has been an issue. So uh, given Markstrom's pedigree and his track record, you expect him to turn it around. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe the hole's already too deep. And and if, man, if Edmonton wins this game, that's a death grip. It's hard to come back and win three straight. I know, I know teams can do it, and Calgary certainly has the horses to do it, but... That's an uphill battle when you're when when you're when your most important player, your netminder, is is just letting in bad goals left and right. It's it's almost impossible, and that's why I, I mean in my room here I have Chris Osgood uh, a Chris Osgood poster, excuse me. And people still say, "Oh, see, you can win with a bad goaltender." Chris Osgood won twice, and I'm like, uh, "You can go. Or you won three times actually, backing up Vernon one year." Osgood will always. Will, Osgood will I will defend always. Chris Osgood any day of the week. He will always be in that discussion of like good, not great, but he was not terrible. No, the guy like won 400 the, games. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> that's why I'm saying like he's in that weird thing of like, is he is he a product of his environment or was he actually like that echelon of goaltender? He's a guy you can have that conversation about just because when he imploded, oh God. Oh, <laughs> oh the, God, it was a bad. 2000, 1999, like both series, those two series against Colorado. Yes, like. Osgood was not known for beating the Colorado Avalanche. Like that was a fact back in the day. And some and sometimes there are some teams that goaltenders just can't get past. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes it does. Um, that but that doesn't. Well, that's how it was for Ben Bishop for the longest time with Tampa. And I mean, call. I mean, I, I there's <laughs> Ben Bishop. <laughs> Eddie Belfour had the Dallas Stars had that problem. Eddie Belfour had that problem. And he finally got through Patrick Wall in '99. So you can go with that. Yeah. I say Ben Bishop's biggest enemy is his knees. <laughs> poor poor man's knees have just given up on him well if i was six foot seven and I, my knees had to hold me up i think i'd probably collapse too god could you I, god he's such a i love ben bishop he was such a great goaltender and a great person i just feel bad for the guy because he, he 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 still had so many years left in him of good hockey since he had started his professional well not professional but his nhl career later in his in his 20s but man that man he was just robbed yeah. his body betrayed him at the worst possible time you know, it's funny you made a joke about Jake Ottinger on a wall earlier, and I'm like, of course he plays for a team in Texas. Insert joke here. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, look, they write the themselves. 
It's Cleo. We got Cleo in the background there, Matthew. Yeah, yeah, she's hanging out. She's looking for her mom. She knows she knows her mom comes home soon. Oh, yeah. Wixie is passed out. I can see her laying out on the little dining room table here. <laughs> uh, but let's be honest, though. Coming out of Alberta, wrapping things up here with this series. We just know that Colorado's winning the West, right? <laughs> I mean, no, they should be. The thing. They, they should be the Blues. In their own heads. And then, yeah, especially all, at the all last one, is going to get is whoever's whoever survives this Calgary Edmonton series. Like, yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing. We have been expecting Colorado's ascension for what feels like three or four years now, and they've consistently found ways to not do it. So until Colorado actually does it, I'm not going to say they're a sure bet, because let's just say let's just hypothetically say that Edmonton somehow closes out Calgary in five and is feeling hot. There's no better player on the on the planet than Connor McDavid, and he is just murdering teams right now. It'll be interesting to see how Colorado handles it, um, and I think they can. Um, but until Colorado actually does it, I'm not I'm not sold on them. You know, they have all the talent in the world. That's not disputing that. But until Colorado actually gets past, you know, every team in the West, I'm not I'm not. I'm not going to count all my chickens in the West. Just, just like I'm not going to count all my chickens in the East. Like, yeah. Tampa should be the favorite given their pedigree and what they've done so far. And given who's left and given who's left, but this is playoff hockey. Crazier things have happened. It'll certainly be interesting who gets out. Like I said, the games tonight, Carolina and New York at MSG. That's a five o'clock local time, seven o'clock Eastern time puck drop flames and Oilers, the battle of Alberta, seven 30 local time, nine 30 Eastern time. Sean butcher asking if anyone is streaming tonight, I believe, yes, there is a Hockey Podcast Network stream of the Rangers and Canes game. That'll be on, like I said, the Hockey Podcast Network here on YouTube. Sean Butcher says Colorado is winning the West 100%. The curse of the Conn Smythe is on the Oilers' side. Interesting. But we've been chatting here with Matthew Estevez here on World Hockey Report to wrap up this Tuesday edition. I'll be back on Thursday. Cody Jansen will be hosting tomorrow's show here in the playoffs. Matthew, thank you very much for joining us once again. Be sure to follow him, guys, at Matthew S. Estevez, and go to Raw Charge on SB Nation to get the best and latest from the best, some of the best bloggers in the game covering the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you still have Godfrey working with you, right? Yep, he's still oh, the good. editor. How's he doing? I, he was he was one of, he was the OG that I ever grabbed from SB Nation. <laughs> he's doing great, man. He's doing great. He's busy right now. He's doing a whole lot of other things with on his professional side, but he's doing great. That's good to hear. I, I miss Justin. Justin was a cool dude. He, it was a guy that he was like, I don't know if I'm really good at podcasting. It's one of my favorite guests I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> miss any of the show, guys? Well, that's okay. If, you, if you're just joining us, it's okay. Don't worry. Don't panic. Just give us a couple minutes here. The Hockey Podcast Network guys will take care of the podcast forum here. They'll edit it, put it up on your favorite podcatcher. Wherever you listen to your podcast, World Hockey Report will be there. Thanks to our guys at the Hockey Podcast Network. And as always, you can watch the replay on demand, whether it be right here on Twitter on 12 Ounce Sports YouTube channel or Facebook as well, and the Hockey Podcast Network. Matthew, thank you very much for taking the time and joining us here on World Hockey Report. Awesome. Thanks for having me again, Ty. And we'll be back, like I said, tomorrow, guys, with World Hockey Report Wednesday edition, recapping the Battle of Alberta tonight, as well as Kings Rangers getting ready for only one game tomorrow. Can the Blues hang on, or will the Avs and Nazem Kadri literally say to a lot of haters out there, many different kinds of haters kick rocks we'll have to wait and see and we'll all that and more on world hockey report tomorrow thank you very much guys goodbye bye cleo